The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I feel like I need to change Brandon Day to Where's Brandon Day? <laughs> That's a good one, actually. <laughs> Where the hell are That's you? True. I am in Seattle. That's not bad, actually. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, I've actually never been here before. So yesterday I got a chance to uh, walk around Pike Place Market, um, just kind of wandered, got lost around there. There are like four or five floors to that place, which is uh, kind of cool. I saw them throw the fish, yep. so that was cool as well. Um, went to a place called Biscuit Bitch, where they just call <laughs> everybody a bitch when you go in there. It's really entertaining. That sounds very um, Pacific Northwest. It, it, it really is, though. And like it's great biscuits with like egg cheese sausage um so if you want they smother in like gravy but did not have that um it was it's a great place i made it with a space needle today yeah uh, supposed, there you go. supposedly a great pasta joint that you have to wait in line for an hour so i might do that today <laughs> um but it's supposed to start raining today until the rest of the trip so uh- what what I'm, is Seattle. what I'm hearing here is that Brandon is very available if anybody wants to bug him with fantasy questions on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I was answering some yesterday, actually. I, I spend most of my time now um, in the hotel room, whether I'm prepping, just watching TV. But there's a good, like, four or five hours where I'm out. But, yeah, I'll be in line for an hour, so I'll have to, time to answer questions. And, there you go. Uh, I'll be in airports. We'll do a little. Lots of time. We'll do a little Brandon Marcus uh, AMA here on Twitter at some point. Uh, he is Brandon, of course. He is at B D Marcus. Follow him him on Twitter. I am Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today, your Wednesday edition. It's Brandon Day. It's also Ailment Day, and I only bring it up because I have another cold, which means it must be you know almost winter time or something. I did pretty well though. Can I get some credit for not really being sick for like three or four months there, other than you know general creakiness of being old? Yeah, you did a great job. There Thank was like you. a solid one or two months where it was really just my eye for the most part mm-hmm. um, and me pulling my back. So you were alone by yourself with uh, nothing going on, and now here you are coming strong, making yeah. up for. The last few weeks where it's just me. Oh, don't worry. I'll be more than making up for it now. Once you had cool weather and kid in preschool. Although we have preschool uh, winter break coming up. So maybe I'll get a, a two-week break from being sick as well. Uh, this, of course, is also buy low, sell high day. That is what Brandon Day is. And I figure, you know, last week we did a little uh, we a foray into injury replacement stuff. Um I feel like, and, and I might be misremembering this, did we text that you had a follow-up on the injury thing now that DeAndre Ayton's back? Uh, I think I made that up. What, I'm sick, what remember. What would the follow-up have been? I don't recall. I feel like we may have discussed it, but it probably didn't happen. I probably hallucinated it. Well, let's I think do it. we did, because yeah. I, we, I said on the podcast that we can't really include that in there since he's back in two games. <laughs> um, and, hey, he came back, and he was pretty good. Yeah, he was decent. I, um... At least he's not actually Harden had passed him for the number one spot prior to that. He yeah. fell in he fell to number thirteen with yesterday's performance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gotta love it. Still yeah. pretty good averages. He'll take it. Yeah, still pretty good. I don't know if he makes them that much better. That's a weird thing that I was I was watching that game. And I know I'm I'm guessing you saw parts of that game too, because that was a Clippers game. Uh he just got roasted by Evita Zubots, and that's a bad look. 
uh, Zubats is actually much better than you think. Yeah, but he shouldn't be better than DeAndre Ayton. No, no, that's true. Um, Zoo is pretty good defensively. He shut down a bunch of different centers this year. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, one of them. Um, I think he did a pretty good number on another top center. I don't know if it was Gobert, but he's done a really good job defensively. Offensively, though, it's just offensive rebounds. But I haven't been able to watch the games because here in Seattle, I can't really watch. So oh, yeah. You guys, what do they do? They get Blazers games up there? That's not, I know it's not far from Portland. I'm not sure, actually. Like four hour drive or something like that. I don't know. Um, all right. Well, who we got on the docket for buy low, sell high? You got us a, a fresh a fresh batch of meat here to go through, or I, maybe I should have said a fresh fish to toss us. Oh, that's well done. Thank you. Well done, Dan. Even when you're sick, you're still great. That's right. Work. Hey, did you see the gum wall while you were there? I sure did. Yeah. Did you put some gum on the gum wall? No, but I was there yesterday, and I sent a picture to uh, to my brother, and he's like, I now have to go wash my hands after seeing that picture. <laughs> and my mom's like, yuck. And my dad goes, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> All right, you want to start with a buy low or a sell high? Let's start with a sell high. Um, and it's two guys. I'm not going to tell you both, but two guys that their usage is going to go down shortly. So that's why I'm going to put them on the sell high. And my first one is Trey Young mm. with John Collins coming back. Uh, I think that Young will take a couple steps back. He won't need to do everything. So his scoring should go down a little bit. His scoring is probably the biggest thing that boosted him as many levels as he did. Obviously, he's taking a lot more shots. So he's making more threes. His assist is only up a little bit from last year. It was 8.1 to 8.5. So I think because of Collins coming back, I think his value is going to drop a little bit. And you might be able to get a late first, early second round guy for him. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one, actually. I, I mean, everybody that listened to this show knows that I was not a huge fan of of reaching and grabbing him as early as he was going. He's basically sitting right on his ADP right now, which is around number 20. I think he's... 21 in nine cat 20 or 21 depending on what site you're using to to check out the rankings uh field goal and free throw percent are pretty good turnovers are obscenely high but like you said uh with Collins back I mean I don't know that he wants to keep having to take 21 shots a game right like I I feel like if yeah. I'm Trey Young I'm kind of tired of just carrying this burden on a really bad team you hit a point where you're you know these guys are always weighing their own success versus their team success, especially on teams that are not supposed to be very good. Uh, I think right. there's an inclination for guys to just sort of want to get theirs a little. But when you lose as often as they have, I, I think at this point he'll pretty much do anything to to try to get them a win. They're 6-22. and 22, So if that means taking four or five fewer shots, letting Collins have those, letting maybe Kevin Herter take a few, I'm I'm sure he'd be down for that. The question I have for you, Brandon, is, is there a chance that an assist increase counterbalances the scoring decrease? Or do you think that the, it sounds to me like you feel the, just the general volume decrease is a bigger deal than whatever, you know, tiny spike in efficiency or, or passing you might see? Yeah, I think the volume just decreases in general. I mean, he's playing 35 minutes. And I think part of that has to do with Collins not being there. And so he has to do everything offensively. And he may... I'll be curious to see if he still plays 35 minutes per game. Um, in the last two weeks, he's at 37. Yeesh. So that, that, that's a really high number for a young player when your team's not going anywhere. You would think 
that as the season goes on, you might want to limit his minutes because you're not playing for this year if you're Atlanta. You're playing for the future. And when you have guys like Young and Collins to build around, the, the time to kill them is not now. The time to kill them is later on when you're actually winning. And Young last year was 125. So to go from 125 to 20 is a really large jump. And I think at some point we'll see him regress a little bit. And even if that is to 30 or 35, if not even 35, even 30, then you should be able to get a guy who is more stable in that area. I think, would you rather do Trey Young or Kemba Walker? I'd rather have Kemba Walker. Yeah, I think you can ha- you can do that trade if you're a Trey uh, Young owner. In nine cat, I should say. In nine cat. Yeah. In eight cat, yeah. I think you probably give the edge to Trey because that is the biggest difference between the two guys is yeah. almost three turnovers a game. That's a you know that's two hundred and fifty turnovers over the course of a year. That's a that's a huge huge number uh, in nine cat. Do you think uh, can can we talk about John Collins for a second here while we're talking Atlanta Hawks? Sure. Do you think people have forgotten how good he was the first few games of the year? Yeah, it's funny. I was actually going to put him on my buy low um, because we've talked about the injuries and how now is not the time to start trading for suspended players when they're only two games out. But I don't think people realize how good Collins was. So I think you still have a window to try and trade for him. I think that that's accurate because we talked about DeAndre Ayton briefly last week as as someone you probably it was too late to buy low on because he was sitting in that number one slot. I just like there was no way to not think that he was going to be an unbelievable monster beast. For some reason, you know, I I've seen people talking about how they had to drop John Collins because they couldn't stand another injury or he was on a waiver wire in their league. No one yeah. ever posted that about DeAndre Ayton ever. And I don't know that these two guys finish more than five or six slots away from one another this year. Like they, to me, maybe Aiden is a tiny bit better because of uh, his his free throw percent. But like overall, I could very easily see Aiden at like twenty two and Collins at like twenty six. There shouldn't be that big of a gap between them. And yet, for some reason, in my eyes, from what I've seen, and maybe I'm misreading the public perception here. But looking at Twitter, looking at forums, things like that, it seems like people are rating Aiton way ahead of John Collins, and I don't think that's accurate. Yeah, and with Collins, you're getting a guy that's clearly going to an Atlanta team that wants to play its young players a lot of minutes. And I just said that you think you'll probably see their minutes go down a little bit, but in his five games, he was still averaging 32 minutes a game. And Mm -hmm. he was averaging 17 and nine with two threes a game, one steal and two blocks. So he's a very good player. And it's funny because I've talked about this before on this podcast that I'm in a league where this guy finishes last every year and he had Aiton and he had Collins. He dropped both and stupid four center rule. I would have had to drop one of my four centers because I had already grabbed Aiton um, to get Collins and I was unable to. But I, I still think that I have a window right now to try and trade for John Collins. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to grab someone on my team that's in that like 30 to 45 range and just toss him out there and see what happens. I don't, I think that would be a really interesting idea like a Tobias Harris or a or a Donovan Mitchell if you have them or uh I would say Al Horford, but I don't think people even realize how good he's been. So that's probably not a maybe a Malcolm Brogdon, someone in that neighborhood that is probably not going any higher. Demonis Sabonis would be an interesting one to flip out there. People probably don't realize that he's now fallen into the mid-40s on the year. Uh, go try to get yourself a John Collins at like a one to one and a half round discount. He's close 
and I don't think people realize exactly how good he he really can be this year. Uh, so back on the Trey Young front, and then we can wrap that up and move to uh, sell high number two. Um, if you can get, I think for me, if you can get anyone inside the top 25 for Trey Young, you do it in a heartbeat, right? Yeah, like Siakam would be a really good target. Um, Embiid would be a nice target. Uh, Jokic would be a good target. Would I you think do, those are some of the top guys I would go for. Would you do uh, Jonathan Isaac for Trey Young? That's a tough one to me. Yeah, it's a really tough one. Probably not. I, yeah, I think I'm with you, but mostly just because it completely obliterates your team build. Like how yeah. you, you've you've built your team around Trey Young's big scoring assist stuff, and then suddenly you're like, oh, okay, now I'm a defensive specialist team. You have to change everything at that point. Um, from a pure vacuum standpoint, I think I'd probably do it. Would you trade Trey Young for Chris Paul? Because he's no. Paul's ahead of him. No, no, Chris Paul is getting hurt at some point, Dan. I know. I'm telling you, I, I just keep knocking on wood and sacrificing animals over here, and it's working so far. So I'm just gonna keep doing it. Uh, yeah. Number 16 right now, Chris Paul. I'm just going to celebrate every day until he gets hurt. I'm just going to yeah, enjoy it. It's unbelievable. Just going to enjoy it as long as I can. Uh, all right, who's the other sell high? Let's go uh, to another usage drop. Brandon Ingram yeah. is the fellow that I am going to list here. He is currently number 24 in per game in the rankings that I'm looking at. Um, we did get news that Zion is not close to a return. But that being said, he's going to return at some point. Um, the Pelicans apparently are willing to listen to offers for Drew Holiday. And if that happens, I think that the numbers for Ingram get worse. He does have some increase probably in scoring um, and maybe assists. But his field goal percentage, I think, will go wor- will become worse. His turnovers, I think, will become worse. And uh, with Ingram and Zion, the two untouchables, that New Orleans team is something that I might want to get off of. Um, if I'm Brandon Ingram owner and uh, with Zion a ways away, he's still going to come back at some point. He'll probably be back for the playoffs, even though fancy playoffs, that is, even though he's going to sit out back to backs. <laughs> still, I think that Ingram's a guy that was playing over his head initially, and uh, I don't think he can keep it up. Yeah, Brandon Ingram, uh, pretty important, I think, to note that. And, and I doubt many people have noticed this because the popcorn numbers have remained obscenely high. But over the last two weeks, he's averaging point three steals, point three blocks, and three turnovers per game. Which, again, not to knock Ingram, he's having an unbelievable year. He seems like he's fixed his free throw stroke, which is also mind-boggling. Uh, it seems like he's hitting. He's just a three-point shooter all of a sudden. He's averaging, you know, two and change there. Those might really be for real. Uh, but the steals and blocks always kind of felt like they they weren't fully sustainable, and we're, we're starting to see a little bit of that. So actually, over the last two weeks, he's number 91 in nine-category leagues, which, you know, guys will bounce back and forth. You'll see the steals and blocks numbers. They won't be that low the whole time. I don't think people realize that he's been colder over the last two weeks because of those categories taking a hit. Uh, I do think he stays inside the top 50, though. Do you agree or disagree there? Well, right now he's at 24. So, I mean, that, that that would be a really large drop for him to go that much. So I think he does stay in the top 50. But like you said, last two weeks, he's just above 100. So the numbers, like you said, he's still averaging in the last two weeks, 24 points, two threes, seven rebounds, two and a half assists. But the steals and blocks are down. The field goal percentage is down a little bit from where it was overall in the season. So you have a chance now. Um, also, the turnovers are up a little bit. So you have a chance to trade him 
at what's really rarely happens where you can trade a guy away with his numbers still being high, but the other people don't realize why his value is going down. Who would you, what is the, the general, and this is a, a difficult question to sort of put a back end on it. I think for me, uh, I'd basically take anybody above like, and I use Tobias Harris as a buffer often because he's just always sitting around number 40 on a per-game basis. But he's kind of my outer buffer on who I would take back for Brandon Ingram. I don't think that I would venture really any lower than that with the exception of maybe like one or two guys that could probably still get back up into that range. Um, that's probably my target area is someone like a Tobias Harris or... Hell, even his teammate Drew Holiday, uh, who's sitting at 39 right now, um, you're not going to get Bradley Beal back. I know he's at 32, but you're you're just not going to get him. Looking at some of the, some of the other names in that territory, uh, Vooch is at 30. You're probably not going to get him. Kyle Lowry's at 28. That's an interesting target if you're okay with the field goal percent. Lamarcus Aldridge, Jokic, you're probably not getting. Um, so who you're are, going up. I would also go down there. I would take Bam back in return for him. Um, I would take Sabonis back in return for him. Um, I might take Kelly Oubre back in return for him. I don't think I'd go that low. I do agree with uh, with Bam at 42, Sabonis at 45. Those are, What about Porzingis? Uh, mm, no, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Ingram there. Uh, Interesting. Pretty By the different way, do you see stats. where Westbrook is now? Yeah, he's been on the climb. He's at 59 now. Yeah, he's gone way up there, man. He was in the uh, the hundreds, and now in the last two weeks, he's number nine. Yeah, he's shooting 77% free throws on the year, which was always the big, the the huge worry with him is, is he going to still be a high volume, like 65%er? Uh, and yeah. he's back up. His field goal percentage is 47 in oh, the last two weeks, and yeah. his free throw percentage is 88 yeah, that's something. I wonder if that levels off or if that's just him. Maybe his head is on straight. I guess we'll find out soon, won't we? Yeah. Um, I ain't going any lower than Sabonis, though, in terms of what I'm taking back for Ingram. I'd rather just ride it out at that point. Okay, that's fair. Maybe maybe Westbrook, who you just mentioned. That might be the only one because he's yeah. on this big turnaround. Um, all right, who am I buying low, then? You're, you're buying low on, uh, we just talked about Sabonis. How about his teammate, Miles Turner? Oh, who, uh, yeah. Look, Big look time in agreement good. with you. I'm so in agreement with you on this one. Sorry, go ahead. I got excited about it. Uh, yeah, listen, you had a, a dangasm, and you're allowed a dangasm every once in a while. <laughs> beware, he, uh, beware the dangasm. <laughs> he, uh, he was 26 last year, 55 the year before that, 24 the year before that, 83 this year. It seemed like they were trying to figure out how to work him and Sabonis together. And I think they realized, hey, Turner's not doing very well when we put them together. And that's not great for us as a team. Maybe we should separate them a little bit and uh, let Turner eat. And that's what they're doing. And he was pretty good last game um, when he got a chance to play separately. And uh, I'm buying a Miles Turner who's currently at 83, it looks like, and has the ability to finish at this point, probably in the top 60, top 50. Oh, yeah. Easy. Easy path to that. Uh, the, the beauty yeah. of Miles Turner is that uh, he's, he's at 3.1 defensive stats per game right now. The only thing that we need from him is for his field goal and free throw percent to approach his career numbers. We don't even need him to get all the way there. They just need to be sniffing it. He's at 43% shooting right now. If that gets up anywhere near his 49% career mark, you're golden. 
Uh, he's at 70.5% free throw shooting. If that gets anywhere near 77, his career mark, you're golden. Literally, all that needs to change is for those numbers to level off, and everything else will be pretty damn close to where it was last year. Uh, I, I would buy low hard on Miles Turner. We talked about him actually a little bit uh, on, on yesterday's podcast. Um, it, it was in relation to some other Indiana Pacers, but... Uh, I mean, he w- two games ago, he- he's basically two games into a very small turnaround here. Two games ago, he was outside the top 100, and now he's at 83. That's how fast it can go with someone who can block seven shots in two games uh, and hit five three-pointers. I would give up a lot of stuff for Miles Turner. Like, I'm willing to give up guys that are in that 65 range right now to get him. If I had to, obviously, I'd rather get him cheaper than that, but... Uh, I mean, if you have DeMar DeRozan, I think you give him up. Who are some of the names that you're seeing around Miles Turner in the ranking list that are guys you'd send away for him, particularly guys that are currently ranked above him? Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Ooh, interesting. I'm going to have to put you and Jonas on a pod together to yell about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, listen, I was on the JJJ by low train several weeks ago. You didn't, you didn't agree with me. He's been really good recently. He has. Um, so I'm still good with that. But right now he's at 82, Turner 83. So I think I'd rather have Turner. Um, rest of season, you'd rather have John Collins over Miles Turner, right? Yes, I would, yeah. Okay. Easier, How just close an easier is it path. For you? Uh, not that close. Just a, just an okay. easy path. I, I think with Miles Turner, you're right too. I mean, we I talked about this a little bit um, in that the separation of he and Sabonis has been very good for him these last couple of games. But also it's going to mean a couple – uh, his minutes will probably drop by by two ish or you know something in that range. So there there's a slight hit that goes along with it. But I'm looking at guys that are Miles Turner's at 80, 83, 84 range, something in that neck of the woods. Um, guys yeah. that are above him that I would happily give up to get Miles Turner back. I I can rattle off a laundry list here, and you can tell me if any of these sound bad to you. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, Montrez Harrell, Paul Millsap, Willie Cauley Stein, Norman Powell. Uh, Kevin Love is is at 76 right now and and falling these days. Um, DeRozan, Noel, Dinwiddie, Marcus Smart, Teague, uh, Ricky Rubio, Brooke Lopez, Jared Allen, Mitchell uh, Mitchell Robinson might be the first name I just came across where I'd probably stay with Mitch because uh, he's been trending up hard also. Uh, Nemanja Bjelica, Brandon Clark, Thomas Bryant, Devontae Graham, Jabari Parker, OG Ananobi. I mean, I'm like 20 names into this list, and I've found one, maybe two guys that I would rather have over Miles Turner. There's a lot of names out there you can throw out to try to get Miles coming back. Yeah, I'm not sure how many of those you'll actually have the offer be thought about by the opponent. Because, I mean, if you offer... Din, I'm not sure if you offer a guy like Dinwiddie or Noel that they'll even consider that with Miles Turner. Um, I'm not sure how how fed up the owner is, but nonetheless, I, I think he's a guy that finishes inside the top 60, so you can feel free. I, I would throw, I would even give away my, Marcus Morris. I know he's at 56, yep, but I, I would, would give up Marcus Morris to oh, get yeah. a Miles Turner. Yep, I'll, I mean, I'll keep going here. Um, Jamal Murray, um... No, I'd rather, I think I'd rather have Murray. Yeah, that one's a questionable one. Uh, Westbrook, that one's questionable, too. Uh, yeah. Porzingis, that one sort of right on the cusp. They're both, to me, they profile pretty similarly, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fournier, obviously you're giving Fournier up for Miles Turner. That's, like, not even a question, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Gallo, I think I'd rather have Turner. Yeah. 
Barton, rather have Turner? Rather have Covington or Turner? Uh, hmm. I'm going to stick with Rocco. He's very safe in there. Yeah. I like Rob Covington. He has some really bad games that like are really, really bad, but then he has really good games. Yeah, he's a set-it-and-forget-it guy. If you look at the individual games, you'll go nuts, uh, but just look at the end of the month, and you're like, oh, sweet. So, you know, still like four and a half to five cash counters over this month. Yeah. Um, by the time you get near 50, that's where you start to get to guys where you're like, well, you know, maybe I'll stick with the guy I've got. But, I mean, I'll, I'll pick – I'd rather have Miles Turner over my spirit animal P.J. Tucker – um, uh, I think I'd rather have him over Jalen Brown. Um, uh, looking a little bit farther, I might even rather have him over Gordon Hayward, who's at forty-four, but I think mm-hmm. has to cool off from fifty-six percent shoot. Much as I love Hayward this year, he's not shooting fifty-six percent for the year. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. Um, but Ooh. yeah, if, if you think about rest of season, then that's what you're doing. It's not where they're going to finish at the end of the season. It's from this point to the end of the year. That's right. That's absolutely right. All right, give me one more buy low, and then we'll let you get on with your uh, Seattle adventure. Um, I'm going to go with one that is not really a popular name, but because he's at such a low number right now. Oh, if you say Blake Griffin, I'm going to punch you right off the podcast. Do you actually think that I would have a guy that's that injury prone? No, I just thought I'd make a joke. Who do you, who you got? <laughs> How about Aaron Gordon? Oh, he's, like Blake Griffin at, plus. He's at 156. And if you look at overall for his career, last year, 95. The year before that, 65. And right now he's at 156. And his scoring is down a bit. Most of his numbers in general are down. But the biggest thing that sticks out is his field goal percentage is at 42%. Brutal. But in the last two weeks, it's up to 47.5%. So I think if he has the ability to increase his field goal percentage, which should occur, then it could be a decent end-of-your-roster-type move where you trade for a guy like Aaron Gordon that can put up a decent amount of scoring and rebounds. Ugh, there's just so little I would give up for him. How high would you go to buy him back? I'm like... I don't think I would give up anybody inside the top 100. Uh, I think I'd rather have him over Josh Hart. Okay. I guess that, yeah, and he's what? Hart is like right on 100, huh? 98. Yeah, there you go. Um, Aaron Gordon or or Pat Beverly, one of of your favorites? I think I'd rather have Gordon. Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's certainly more explosion there. Yeah, I just think the upside is higher. I mean, I know you love Daniel House, but, man, he's been awful recently. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. He got sick, and he hasn't been right ever since. So I wonder if yeah. he's lingering a bit. Um, there are guys in that range that are trending down really hard. Dario Saric is a guy I'd obviously give up for Aaron Gordon. But there's just, yep. like, Sadoransky, I think I'd rather keep him. Rozier, I think you keep him. And then some of these other names, the ones that I'd be willing to give up, I'm not sure that they would get him back, like... You know, Dillon Wright, who's basically on waivers in almost every league. It, would that be enough to get him? I doubt it. Yeah, it's, it's worth just floating to see if because he's got the upside, Aaron Gordon does. And it's oh, not just, like they have a ton of all-stars in that team. I mean, Vooch, I think being back should help him. And uh, I don't know. I, I think he's been better in the last couple of games with Vooch back. 
So he's someone that may be towards the end of your bench. It's not the flashiest of names, but someone that could help you out. You know who I'd rather have who's down in that 130 to 150 range? Is Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Oh, I got to tell you, man, um, I own him in one of my leagues, and I was going to put him as a buy low, but I just got to the point where, A, I'm just too frustrated with him, <laughs> and B, I think it's very possible that this might just be who he is. I, I understand that there is the possibility CP3 gets traded, and I know that he's not doing well with high usage, but he's a very boring fantasy player, and his field goal percentage sucks, and he gets points. And that's really all he's getting right now. And for a point guard to be averaging three assists per game is really bad. Yeah, they're you know funny that that Oklahoma City team nobody was really getting any assists for like the first month, and then now Chris Paul is finally getting a few. Uh, but Shea didn't get many. Schroeder didn't get many. Even CP3 was at like four and a half for the first three or four weeks of the year. They're they're still feeling things out a little bit. The reason that he's a tough guy, and I'll and I'll actually back you up with a different reason. The reason he's a tough guy to put on the buy low list is that whoever has him isn't going to want to sell him low, right? Like you have him, so you, I I actually don't have him anywhere. I didn't I I I didn't take him early enough to get him uh, because I felt like the hype train was starting to get a little out of control. Um, yeah. So let me ask you, since you have him in a league, you're not selling him low, are you? Right? Like he. What it would take a lot to get him off you because you spent a decent chunk to get him to begin with. I actually didn't spend that much. It was an auction. He surprisingly went pretty low. But I, really? as we we're doing this podcast, I was thinking of trying to offer like a Shea plus a Brooke Lopez for John Collins, that type of thing. Oh, um, would, yeah. Pairing him, pair him with like a guy like Brooke Lopez. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's at 131 this year and he's 141 last year. So it's. You would think that, hey, he's moving to a new team or he's going to get the reins, but he's not getting the reins. It's still Chris Paul's team, and Gallo's still there. Steven Adams is still there. They still have a lot of people that need to eat. Do you think the field goal percent gets back up where it was last season, or do you think the volume has really punched a hole in that balloon? Yeah, I mean, he's taking six more shots per game. Um, I mean, his field goal percent should go up a little bit at some point, considering that a lot of his shots... I mean, when he's making them are layups. The ones that he's missing are jump shots. I mean, he was on fire from three during the preseason. And just for some reason, the more shots he's taking now, the the worse he's doing. You would assume his percentage will go up. I don't know how much. Yeah, and then also on the defensive side, he's playing nine minutes more per game this year. Uh, and yeah. his steals and blocks have actually both gone down. Yeah. I it's It's, it's a very confusing thing. And when guys are this young... You know, if he'd been in the league for four or five years and he had sort of an established track record, you'd say, well, you know, this stuff is going to regress. But we really don't know who the real Shea is. And I don't know. I mean, what if I offered you, you know, you have him so we can actually play this game for real. What if I offered you uh, Jonas Valanciunas for Shea? Would you take that? Probably would, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So you need a guy around 100, but with upside. To pry him off. Would you take TJ Warren? Because he's close, but he doesn't have the same upside. No. Yeah. And he's actually ranked in front of JV right now. By uh, the way, we did get an Oladipo update. I know we were talking about that. Like, go ahead and try and trade for Oladipo for an Oladipo update. And that update is he's not anywhere close. Yeah, that's pretty weird, uh, isn't it? I mean, not that weird. Yeah. You guys never come back on time from these big things. But uh, this is why you don't draft guys that are supposed to come back mid-season. You just don't do it. Yep. Don't do Too it. Too many chances for a guy to re-injure them, re-injure himself. 
you cost yourself a valuable roster spot. It may or may not ever work out. Uh, you get these half games where you're trying to figure out whether or not to play them anyway. It's better to just go get the replacement and ride them for as long as they're good. I mean, let me he- ask you this question. Yeah. If you drafted Oladipo in a league and you do not have an IR spot, would you drop him? You've held for this long. We're in December. It, we just got this update that he's still not close to a return. I'm sure there's lots of people listening that have Oladipo and are very frustrated. Would you drop him? No, I'd go try to trade him for like someone in the 80 range. Okay. Some team that's sitting up near the top that you know has like a uh, crap. I mean, at this point, you might as well just take like a, a Luke Kennard back, right? You just need somebody putting up any kind of numbers. Especially, by the way, I actually don't hate that trade because Blake Griffin seems like he's like on the brink of disaster for the rest of the year. That dude He's is back tonight, which is crazy. Totally crazy because he is like he has that right. Is it the right leg or the, I can never remember which knee it is for him. But he, I feel like he's literally carrying his leg up and down the court. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I, I was waiting for a hey, he's going out of the knife. He's out for two to three months. But instead, we get a Blake Griffin will play on Wednesday. I was like, what? Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought Andre Drummond's eyeball would be better before Blake's knee. Yeah. I would have put, put my life savings on that one. Oh, Me well. too. Poor avocado eye. Poor avocado eye, Andre. Man. Andre and the avocado. I'm going to write that children's book. Can you do illustrations for me? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Uh, Brandon, enjoy Seattle. Hey, thank you. Uh, I will be back. Uh, when will I be back? I'll be back on Saturday, and then I leave a couple days later. Dallas. Oh, my God. When the hell do you guys have a homestand? We finally come back home in January. Dude. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, we start conference play. Our, our non-conference schedule has just been brutal. It's taken me to Kansas City, which was unexpected because of a tournament. It's taken me here to Seattle and Pullman, to Utah. I've, uh, I've really been all over the place. It took the team to Denver during Thanksgiving, but I didn't go on that trip. All right, guys, I'm putting a call out to our wonderful listeners. I know some of you are pretty handy with Photoshop. Can someone please Photoshop a picture of Brandon Marcus to look like Where's Waldo? Because that is officially our logo for Wednesdays from now on. (laughs) Oh, man. Brandon Day is taking a turn. Happy Brandon Day. Happy Where's Brandon Day. We'll talk to you in a week, my good man. Yes, sir. Happy Brandon Day, everybody. And that was the always lovely Brandon Marcus. At BD Marcus on Twitter. Give him a follow. Hit him up with questions. Seriously, follow these guys and bug them. This is what they're for. I don't have the. So a, a thing finally did happen at some point. You, you you hit this threshold where I get too many questions to be able to get at them quickly. So I, I try to hit them in, in waves if I can get there. But it's not that simple. So bug these guys. I'm putting some brilliant minds in front of you. Utilize them. Uh, let's take a look at what happened on Tuesday. It was actually a fairly eventful six-game card. We're, in, we're into a, like a weird pocket now of really interesting fantasy basketball. Guys are coming back from injury. That's always interesting news. Uh, there are just weird little position things happening. So anyway, let's dive into it. Uh, Lakers at Pacers, Lakers finally had their road winning streak snapped with no Anthony Davis and no Kyle Kuzma. Uh, Playing without Anthony Davis, turns out, is tougher for this team. 
you uh, you had the same thing as usual where when AD's out, the centers go big since no one's going to slide over and take those center minutes. So Dwight Howard played 26 minutes and went a perfect 10 for 10 from the field, but a perfect 0 for 3 at the free throw line. JaVale McGee 10 and 8 with three blocks in 22 minutes at center, and they are both worth using anytime Anthony Davis sits. Otherwise, you're basically sitting on Rajon or uh, LeBron James, I should say. Uh, Rajon Rondo was the name that started to come out of my mouth because he actually looked pretty spry in this game overall. I don't think he can do enough to be a nine-category guy, but I do think, and you know, he's sitting at like around 140-ish neighborhood in about 22 minutes a game, so with 25, 26 minutes, he can get close to nine-category numbers, and he does have specialist appeal, assists and steals, and he'll get you a little over a three-pointer per ball game. As we've seen, when he's healthy enough to play the number of minutes that they want him out there for, he gets pretty dang close, and there is a world where that's useful, and that world is one where you desperately need the categories that he's good at. It actually leads us to kind of a side discussion here, which is when you're rounding out the end of your roster, you're probably... It's not, and again, I'm battling a little bit of an illness here, so you'll cut me a little slack. It's not generally the case that you're going to be able to find 9, 10, 11 guys that are all ranked inside the top 80. So when you get that guy, your 10th man or your 11th man or whatever it is on your team, he's probably going to be ranked between 90 and 115, and there's almost nothing separating those guys, 25, 30 guys in there. I mean... The number 90-something guy right now is, you know, Duncan Robinson, and the 115 guy right now is Marcus Gasol, and the relative value to your team is the difference between, I mean, you can find this a difference between, like, two guys earlier in the rankings. It's the difference between Jonathan Isaac and Brandon Ingram at this point. It's the difference between Giannis and Clint Capella, Trey Young and Kyle Lowry. I mean, they're, they're like, splitting hairs as you get farther down, and that's 25 spaces as opposed to up higher where it's like a gap of three or four. The point that I'm making is sometimes the guy who's ranked 105 is actually better for your fantasy team than the guy who's ranked 92 because, number one, they could very easily switch spots in the next week or two weeks or whatever it turns out to be because one guy has two good games, one guy has two bad games, and they flip-flop. Because, again, you can move all over the map when you're down in that territory with one decent night of basketball. And number two, you probably can look at your team, assess its various weak points, and say, you know what? I need three-pointers, and I need them bad, and I need them on okay percentages. And look, boom, there's J.J. Redick. Or you can look at the numbers and you can say, I desperately need steals and defensive stats. And boom, there's Chris Dunn at 106. And these guys pop on and off of waiver wires throughout the year. So be discerning in that you might see a guy in there and just think this guy makes more sense for my ball club than this other guy. Maybe you don't need whatever it is that Kendrick Nunn is providing, or George Hill, who's at 109. Maybe you don't need his better percentages. Perhaps you have a good percentages team and what you actually need are some popcorn numbers. Okay, Tara Rozier, bad field goal percent, good popcorn numbers. He's in that neck of the woods. Maybe what you need is some big man stats. Jonas Valanciunas is actually down in that neighborhood because he hasn't been able to hit a free throw this year for some weird reason. By the way, I, I mean, it's a bad example because I think he's actually going to trend up as his numbers kind of level off a little bit and the turnovers probably come down, but you guys get my drift here. Uh, 
this is why I'm talking about a guy like Rajon Rondo, who's sitting in that 130-something range, but, you know, he's two or three good games, 25-ish minutes a game from moving up into this same territory of, you know, 125 or so, where there's value to your team in that. So keep an eye on these types of guys. I know it's not really the the needle movers, but there's a, a, a certain purpose to the madness. On the Pacers' side, Jeremy Lamb suffered a groin injury in this ballgame. They're listing it as sore, so hopefully it's nothing serious. He was trending down anyway. What this does is it opens up, well, it opened up time for both holidays in this ballgame. They went kind of small for stretches. In general, it's going to be Justin Holiday who sees the bump here. He's probably worth the grab. He's one of the guys that actually is sitting in that territory. I believe uh, Justin Holiday is somewhere near 120-something right now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and with a few extra minutes, a few extra touches, maybe that moves up into the 100 range, which makes him a streamer if you need a few rebounds, some steals, and some three-pointers. Easy peasy, moving along. Nothing special there, but again, they fit the mold. Other thing I want to note on this ballgame, I know uh, TJ Warren played a little bit better. He had some blocks, blah, blah, blah. Uh, TJ McConnell played well. I don't care about that stuff. What I care about is that reports were surfacing two days ago that the Pacers are looking to split up Miles Turner and Demonis Sabonis a little bit more. Now, they obviously played alongside one another for decent stretches of the ball's game. First uh, six or seven minutes of each half, they play together. So they're going to be out there for 12 or 13 minutes at the same time. But then what you see is Miles Turner stuck around basically to the end of the first quarter. So he played more or less the first 12 minutes. The last, you know, four-ish Four or five of those were without Sabonis. Sabonis comes in to start the second quarter. He plays the first seven minutes of the second quarter by himself. And then Miles Turner comes back, and I think we actually saw Sabonis sub out for the last two-ish minutes of that uh, second quarter as well. So he played like the first seven minutes of the first half and then 10 in the second quarter, and Miles Turner played the first uh, 10 or so minutes of the game and then... Uh, came back in for like the final five minutes of the half. So he got about 15. Uh, Sabonis got about 17 minutes in the first half. And the beauty part was that only like nine of those were together. So Turner got some six to seven minutes by himself. Sabonis got about seven minutes by himself. And that allowed them to play more center. So now, and for Sabonis, it's not a big deal because he's basically the center regardless. But suddenly now, Miles Turner is seeing half of his playing time at center instead of just little fractions, and he's so much more comfortable there. And you can see a little bit of comfort and a little bit of confidence, and then he carries that over to his power forward minutes, which are not as productive. Sabonis is getting all those rebounds. But Miles Turner's looked a lot better in his last two ball games. The only thing weighing him down over those two games is that I think he's gone three for six at the foul line in these two. Uh, but he has five three-pointers, seven blocks, 17 rebounds, and 30 points. And... You know, I know he's ranked outside the top 100 coming into this stretch. He was at like 106, 107, two decent ball games, and boom, you're back inside the top 100 uh, and trending up. So opportunity here is knocking. Don't let it slip through your fingertips. Opportunity is knocking. I repeat, opportunity is knocking, and it's possible that whoever has him has seen these lines and thought, eh, they're fine but hasn't really seen there's a there's a fundamental change in what the Pacers are doing. Pay, uh, the uh, Kings were at the Hornets. This is one of the easiest bets I've ever made, placed in my life on Charlotte. 
Uh, Sacramento getting De'Aaron Fox back, unable to figure out how the hell to use Marvin Bagley and Rashawn Holmes at the same time. They are a rotations clunk fest right now, and they rolled into Charlotte to, to take on a team that, frankly, is not good, but not as bad as people want to think. The Hornets actually playing decent basketball. Uh, James Borgo doing a nice job with these kids, just sort of got them playing, having fun. Uh, they're actually playing a little bit of defense every once in a while. Malik Monk played really well in this ballgame, but, you know, you're not adding him. Marvin Williams played well. He came back with P.J. Washington out. Devontae Graham's been incredible, although his shooting percentage is uh, a little bit barftacular at times. Uh, Terry Rozier has been cold lately, which you sort of knew was coming. He has, by the way, God, is anybody anybody running hotter and colder than Terry freaking Rozier? Good Lord. Uh, He hasn't shot 40% or better since December 6th at this point. That's a stretch now of six consecutive ballgames. So his field goal percent is down around 41 all of a sudden, and uh uh-oh, that's what we were worried about and he's pushing down out towards the edge of the top 100 as well. Luckily, Devontae Graham, who also can't throw a stone in the ocean, has been incredible in the popcorn stuff, and it's more than outweighed some of those other shortcomings. But that's not what I want to talk about. We know what's going on with those guys. The interesting footnote on this Charlotte side is that Cody Zeller was the starting power forward for this team. Go figure that one out. Thought for sure that was a matchup-based thing, uh, against Indiana and the Miles Turner Demontis Sabonis front court, then they got clobbered. So conventional wisdom would have suggested they go back to something a little bit more normal, but they stuck with it against the Rashawn Holmes, Harrison Barnes, uh, and Nemanja Bialica front court for Sacramento, and it worked. Cody Zeller's played really well these last two games as the starting power forward. He's averaging 18 and 11 over that stretch with one and a half blocks. And I'm inclined to say you almost have to pick him up. Uh, he he probably has been added in basically every league while I'm doing this podcast. But just until B.J. Washington comes back, he might end up being your guy. It might also end up being Marvin Williams. And that's what makes me a little bit nervous. But at least with Zeller, you're, you're feeling at this point like the floor is probably 24 minutes. And in 24 minutes, he'll be about a top 125 guy. So even if things fall apart... You're not stuck with a dud. You're stuck with kind of a meh, and that's not that bad. Sacramento side, and this is, I mean, this is a loaded question at this point. Buddy Heald, uh, you'll see his opportunity to trend down a little bit. Same with Harrison Barnes with Darren Fox back. He's going to take uh, the reins on a lot of the offense. Darren Fox, to his credit, looked very good offensively in this ballgame. Uh, I think you'll see him... This was like the adrenaline game. You'll see a little bit of rust at some point in there. He'll be fine. You fire him up, you're good to go. Buddy Heald, you fire him up, you're good to go. Um, If you were using Harrison Barnes before, you should probably continue to do so. Those three guys are going to remain on the correct side of the cut line. Uh, In addition, Rashawn Holmes will remain on the correct side of the cut line. The only reason I didn't bring him up in that first set is that the Holmes-Marvin Bagley thing is a weird little question mark. Now, to Rashawn's credit, in only 21 minutes in this ballgame, which was the bad part, he still put up 11-5 and five with five defensive stats and zero turnovers while also making his free throws. Uh, all three of them, yes, only four for 10 from the field. That's actually kind of unusual for him. But again, we've talked about it before. He only needs 20 minutes to be fantasy relevant, and anything over that, you just push him one click with each minute to 90 seconds he plays. 
how they only played him 21 and a half minutes in this game is really the the question to end all questions. This is just bad decision making. There is a weird uh, top down thing happening. But the other side is they didn't play Marvin Bagley that much either. He only played 22 minutes, and the guys that actually saw additional playing time were Nemanja Bjelica, who had a better third quarter after a nothing first half. Does he stick in the 30-minute range? That would boggle my mind if neither Holmes nor Bagley was doing enough. And with Bjelica's coming off a 23-minute dud in their blowout win at Golden State and then 27 minutes in their home loss to the New York Knicks, 22 minutes to Oklahoma City prior to that one. So he's been all over the map in his minutes played lately. You're seeing him get sort of falling onto waiver wires, and for good reason. And then he comes out and puts up this really well-rounded line that, to some degree, kind of came out of the blue. What do we do? You can say a lot of dumb things about what the team is trying to accomplish, but what do we do? Number one, you hold on to Rashawn Holmes. And frankly, if somebody's freaking out about the minutes, you buy him because... I mean, maybe you even wait and see if somebody dropped. I'd be surprised if somebody dropped him because you can see he still puts up numbers even in the shorter playing time. But I suppose you never do know, right? You never do know. Um, I would buy him, and I would lob some top 90-ish guy like we've been talking about, these these dudes that float around in that kind of ninth man on your roster territory. Uh, Joe Harris, Duncan Robinson, TJ Warren, Carmelo Anthony right now. Uh, Aaron Baines, who's trending down behind DeAndre Ayton. Alec Burks is at 85. Draymond Green, I would happily give up for Rashawn Holmes. P.J. Washington, I would give up. Josh Hart, Pat Beverly. There are so many names in that territory that I would rather have Rashawn Holmes. And you're probably not going to get him yet. You probably need him to play low minutes another game or two. But just kind of keep it in the chamber because you're, you're going to see this window here where people freak out because of the lower minutes, even though he can be fine even in lower minutes. And there's the, still the additional upside if the Kings happen to figure out that he's the guy they need to have on the floor. So buy or hold. Uh, Bielitsa, I mean, I'm fairly certain I said to throw him onto the waiver wire, and I, I stand by the assessment that I think that's what's coming because even if they decide they don't want to play Holmes uh, next to Bagley, they still have to get Barnes up to the four. He's not a three. He's way too slow and clunky to be a three in the modern NBA, and maybe it worked in this ballgame because the Hornets rolled out this zero-spacing uh, big Mondo center power forward thing also, but in general, that's not going to work. And as you saw in this ballgame, whatever they were trying didn't work. They looked, they looked out of sorts. Which is always the case when a team gets a big usage guy back. Easiest fade ever. Atlanta blown out in New York uh, despite 42 fairly efficient ones for Trey Young. He desperately needs help. Uh, I thought an interesting little note on this game. Kevin Herter didn't miss any time. Remember, he left that last ball game after re-aggravating the shoulder that had just forced him out for a few weeks, but then came right back and played 31 minutes in this one. That surprised the hell out of me. I thought for sure he would miss additional time. Uh, we're seeing that he he is still getting some of those ball-handling duties off the uh, the second unit, where he and Trey Young end up a little bit staggered at times. Uh, so if you dropped him like I did, see if you can pick him back up. Most likely, if you dropped him like I did, somebody else is going to get him before you. Um, but I'm I, color me surprised, you know? I, I abandoned ship there when I thought he was going to be hurt again. 
and he uh, he came right back and played. Whatever. Uh, I'm also holding on Jabari Parker. I only played 19 minutes in this game, but it was an ugly one. And and generally, his minutes are a little bit strangely staggered. He plays like the first four or five minutes of the game, and then he plays a chunk near the uh, beginning, the end of third or beginning of fourth or, or end of first, beginning of second, and then he plays down the stretch as well. Usually gets him up into the 24 to 28 range. So he just didn't get his fourth quarter minutes in a blowout loss, which would have gotten him back up to his normal number. So they just uh, kept him healthy. New York side, everybody was successful. When you put up a buck 43 in regulation, you're going to have some pretty big fantasy lines. Uh, RJ Barrett scored a lot of points, but remains a terrible fantasy play. Even Kevin Knox scored a bunch. Marcus Morris continues to be their best fantasy play for the time being. But given time, that honor will be bestowed upon Mitchell Robinson, who had 22, 13, a steal, and two blocks, made his free throws, looked like the guy that everybody wanted. That by low window is slamming shut. Julius Randle, 17 and 11, with no interesting stats around him. Even when he has a good ball game, it's not a good ball game. Uh, and then Alfred Payton was a guy we were watching. He got into foul trouble and played just five minutes in the first half, but got 15 post uh, halftime break. Put up five points, nine assists, and a block to kind of salvage it. And uh, he is still the point guard to own if you're going to go that direction. And I think you probably should. So throw him on your roster. Nothing else really changes for me as of this blowout win. Brooklyn in a low-scoring game with New Orleans beat them 108-101 in overtime. It took them OT to get to 209, and it still went under by 18 points. That's the the best under bet that anyone ever placed was on this ball game. Brooklyn's fairly predictable these days. Um, as they get healthy, obviously you'll have to do some realigning of things. New Orleans is a more interesting tale. Derek Favors looked like he was hard-capped at 20 minutes again, but looked much better in this ballgame. Couldn't get a shot to drop early. He was 0 for 3 with, I believe, six boards and a block and maybe an assist or something like that at halftime. Uh, fourth quarter, he got some shots to fall. He scored seven points in that uh, range, grabbed another few rebounds, blocked a couple more shots, ended up with seven and nine, three assists, three blocks in only 20 minutes. And that's the beauty of Derek Favors. He really only needs about 24 minutes to be fantasy relevant. I think you'll probably see his minutes cap move up a little bit more. Here's the thing. There are two arguments with this team, and I think they're both relatively accurate. Argument number one, they're going to tank. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, they're doing it already. Whether it's on purpose or by accident, they are in a tailspin. And I don't think they've won a game since uh, William Howard Taft was president. But the other argument is, they need to see a couple go through. It's damn hard to be a team that had expectations this year. Let's remember, and I'll take my shot at, you know, the mainstream folks that are the, the ESPN, the big box guys that were trying to sell us this bill of goods that the Pelicans were going to be as good as the Lakers this year. That was never going to be the case because Anthony Davis is a bona fide superstar and the Pels got a decent haul, but these were guys that were just getting their butts kicked in LA. So, like, what do we think that was going to happen? You put him with Drew Holiday instead of LeBron James. You thought things were going to get better? Okay, fine. Zion, yeah, he's out. But, like, this is never going to be a great basketball team. They would have been, if Zion was healthy, if they were healthy to this point, they'd probably be competing with these other, you know, two, three game under 500 uh, <laughs> goobers or whatever you want to call these teams that are fighting for the seven and eight seed. But, listen, things are in the toilet. 
They're not coming out anytime soon. The Pels are a mess. So yeah, they're probably going to tank, but you need to have some development, some good vibes. You can't put all of these young guys in another god-awful losing situation and expect things to get better or hold, which is why we're already starting to hear rumors about Drew Holiday on the trade market, J.J. Redick, who sat this one out, on the trade market. Names are going to come up. Anybody that's older than, like, 24 is going to suddenly be available for acquisition should a team come calling with the right price tag. But in terms of a true, full-on, mail-it-in, nobody-plays-tank, that type of stuff doesn't usually start happening until March. It's mid-December. You got half of December, January, and February. We're still talking about two to two and a half months where the usual suspects are going to probably play basketball. There's no reason to totally turn it off now. They're losing anyway. So I think you're going to see two and a half months-ish of Derek Favors probably slowly ramping up here, and he'll probably skip some back-to-backs and blah, blah, blah. But in terms of getting some nice big man stats, I do think that there's some pretty good upside there. And the other half of that particular discussion is Jackson Hayes has a great outlook over the rest of this year because they've basically retired Jaleel Okafor, thank goodness, and Hayes is going to pick up every center minute that Derek Favors doesn't get. I don't know if they want to run Zion at the center. Maybe they do, and maybe we reassess when Zion comes back, whenever the hell that might be. Is that going to be January? Is he going to come back at all? I mean, we don't know. Uh, but life could be very good for Jackson Hayes going forward. So he's a guy to watch. You could, I mean, you can use him right now while we're dealing with the favors minutes cap, but I, I think it's going to get a little murky. Um, Holiday, that's fine. Josh Hart should never have been dropped. I, I tried to tell everybody to hold on that one. I don't know if people were listening. Brandon Ingram uh, basically got shut down in this game. I know he had 22 points, but 23 shots to get there. Uh, but he still got his two blocks, so somehow the defensive stats keep coming. And then uh, Lonzo Ball, who's been, frankly, not very good again. Oh, well. Orlando at Utah. It was DJ Augustine night at altitude. He had 22 in this one, and then everybody else was pretty bad for the Magic. Uh, Evan Fournier scored 19, but his other stuff has diminished a tiny bit. Jonathan Isaac, only seven shots, uh, but he did get his three blocks. The interesting story in this ballgame actually was on the Utah side for two reasons. Number one, Joe Ingles got the start at small forward and put up a really nice, well-rounded fantasy line. And then Mike Conley got hurt again, re-injured his hamstring. And so even if you were thinking, oh, maybe Ingles is going to be a starter even with Conley around, it doesn't matter because Conley's back out again. And in the late one, finishing things out on that Tuesday Eve, uh, we had the return of DeAndre Ayton. There really wasn't much on the Clippers' side. Lou Williams came back. Pat Beverly came back, and they were both fine. If uh, well, Williams was had a pretty amazing run late in the ball game where he scored 11 points in about there was like 80 seconds or so. But his fantasy game still remains pretty iffy with the turnovers, the lack of defensive stats, whatever. He's going to have more name value than he is nine category value. Kawhi Leonard had uh, kind of a slow one. Paul George played pretty well. But for the Clippers, they just got stuff from a lot of different guys. And, uh, I I mean, I faded the Phoenix Suns in this game with Aiton coming back, and I cashed that ticket as well. So, you know, good for everybody. Uh, DeAndre Aiton played 24 minutes in his return. He had 18 and 12 with three assists and a block. And certainly on paper, that box score looks good. 
but it took him 19 shots to get to 18 points. He missed his free throw, and he just... There's something about him. I watched this game live. He he let Ivica Zubats get past him for a bunch of easy putbacks and, and easy layups. I just... I'm not totally sold on DeAndre Ayton, particularly defensively. He does seem to have some pretty good uh, touch on the offensive side, and I think once his team is healthy, he'll put up some pretty good numbers. He'll be uh, inside the top 30, one would think, when all is said and done. But I don't know that he makes them better. In any event, this was a tough uh, test case for him to come back in. Uh, Aaron Baines played 18 minutes off the bench. Frank Kaminsky still played 23 minutes, but a lot of that came in garbage time. He played almost the entire fourth quarter, that number's going to trend down. Kelly Oubre was basically the only Suns regular to survive this beating at the hands of the Clippers. Uh, but I think what we what we learned from this game is, number one, Aiton's obviously going to see his, his pretty good chunk of minutes. He'll probably play around 30-31, something like that going forward. Baines most likely in that 18 range. Uh, Ricky Rubio, he's going to be fine. This was an off-shooting game. He'll be okay. Oubre's going to be fine. Dario Saric... If he gets back in there for the end of this ball game and gets up to 26, 27 minutes, something like that, or even a couple more, he probably gets right around the edges again. But the seven shots was notable because it's way down. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a usage thing going on here, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him finish outside fantasy relevance. But we'll obviously wait and see. We'll have to assess this situation. This was not a great first game uh, for Aiton back to, to get a feel for how everybody else is going to respond. Uh, Phoenix plays again. When the hell do they play again? Tomorrow? No. They're off for uh, a couple days. They play on the 20th. So they're off for uh, two days here in between. Uh, then they're in Oklahoma City. I would assume that one's going to be a more competitive ball game. And uh, then we'll have a better idea of what to expect going forward. But that's my initial feelings having watched yesterday's ball game uh, between the Suns and the Clippers. Big thank you once again to the wonderful Brandon Marcus for bringing us some buy lows and sell highs on this Wednesday. As I mentioned at the outset, please do remember if you want to cover a team to hit me up. I will also say here towards the conclusion of this podcast that, uh, oh, almost forgot to preview the, uh, the, the Wednesday evening card. So we're not totally done yet. Apologies. I got ahead of myself, but I will still remind everybody to drop a five-star review on the show. We really appreciate those. Do it in your podcast app. Do it on iTunes. Search for Fantasy NBA Today. Click on the show title. Scroll down. We love you for it. It's a big, 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 big deal for us to get those five-star reviews and just keep piling them up because the more we get, the farther up the charts we can move and we can just keep growing this thing. It allows us to grow hoop ball, uh, getting over the hump and getting more advertisers. You heard some of them earlier this season. These are big things for us to allow us to do more stuff. So please drop those five-star reviews. I am officially begging you here on this December the 18th episode of Fantasy NBA Today. Uh, we had a, a note, by the way, that came in. And, and believe me, I see everything that you guys write. Uh, wondering why I haven't talked as much betting on this podcast over the last couple of weeks. I can't break a massive secret to you guys just yet. But suffice it to say, you won't need my betting advice soon that was almost like me breaking the massive secret but i'm not going to go any farther than that you won't need me soon is all i'm going to say on that front uh chicago at washington to start off our wednesday evening quick profile here um i think we have a pretty good idea of what's going on with the the bulls right now at least as long as the same guys remain out that have been 
for Washington, we'll see if Isaiah Thomas can make it two good ones in a row. If he's really, truly settling in, that would be nice. Rui Hachimura now out uh, for at least five games with his groin injury, so that'll just open up more front court usage. Shame Mo Wagner's not back yet. The door is just wide the bleep open right now for him, but we are where we are. Toronto-Detroit, uh, we'll keep an eye on the Freddie Van Fleet situation. Obviously, Norman Powell remains a great stream while any of the main guards are out for Toronto. Uh, Detroit, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, both questionable with a knee and an avocado eye. You know, if if Blake is out, Derek Rose, Luke Kennard get big bumps. And the Andre situation is it doesn't really impact those guys quite as much. It'll impact someone like a Christian Wood a little bit more. I feel like I've gotten lumped into a group. I said this yesterday that I, I sort of wasn't on the Christian Wood front. I, I maintain that I don't think he has 12-team, 9-cat roster ship as long as all of the bigs are healthy, or even if one guy is down. We need two bigs down to clear the, the runway, to, to open up the pavement for him. And that's where we were in that last ball game. Now, obviously, he missed a bunch of free throws. But if both of those guys are out, if Blake and Andre are out again, then Christian Woods should go pretty big. If either of them plays, I'm not convinced that it's enough time and touches for him, but we shall see. Charlotte at Cleveland, we're seeing this weird surging Cody Zeller thing going on right now. I uh, I, I don't, I, I mean, as long as he is in the starting lineup, I think you just sort of keep a watch on when they release their starters. And if he's in there, you, you probably flip him into your lineup. Otherwise, if you find out he's coming off the bench, then you probably don't. Cleveland's terrible. We're going to jump right over them. Miami, we have a pretty good feel for them these days. Uh, I'm I'm in on Duncan Robinson. I know he's... The funny thing is that he's been kind of cold the last two or three games, uh, and still he has 10 three-pointers over those three ball games. He, he hasn't had any steals, but he manages to do it on good percentages, and that, as I've said before, is just such a rare and interesting uh, trait to have the guy on your team hitting threes do it at a good clip. So good for your field goal percent. On your, uh, especially if you're on a roto team, nothing really on the Philadelphia side. Where you know we're seeing Josh Richardson's minutes trending up. Matisse Thybulle missed half of the last game with a stomach ailment. He'll probably be back for this one. We'll see how that situation develops. Memphis, uh, keep an eye on DeAnthony Melton these days. He's his minutes have been slowly trending up, even with John Morant healthy. He played 25 minutes in their last game, a win over Miami with 16, seven and four. Uh, I don't know that he's worth owning yet in standard leagues he's number 150 over the last week because his field goal percent is pretty low and he doesn't hit three pointers but if any of that stuff levels off and it won't be the threes because he doesn't shoot them he gets a ton of steals uh he gets defensive stats he gets rebounds he gets assists the only thing he's really lacking in is threes so if the field goal percent comes up a little bit he could leap into the top 100 pretty fast especially if he stays around this 25 minute thing that we've seen uh, that really only popped up when Morant first got hurt, but seems to have kind of stuck with this team. So that's a, a possible angle on a Memphis team that we haven't been following that closely because things have been relatively predictable to this point. Oklahoma City is a nothing situation. We know what's going on there. Pelicans, uh, Derek Favors on a back-to-back. This would be a reason to maybe bench him. I'm guessing it's why his minute cap didn't go up from 20 because they had the back-to-back, so they figure they'll keep them low, and then maybe the next one that's not a back-to-back, you can get a little bump. Uh, but they do obviously need him, dealing with the guy like Carl Anthony Towns on the glass. The Jackson Hayes would just get run down by Cat. Uh, we'll see if J.J. Reddick's playing. If he is, 
That obviously pushes Lonzo farther out. Josh Hart gets pushed a little bit, but I, I still like him as well. Minnesota, I you know the I think have I have I completely convinced you guys that Jared Culver is nothing more than a late season stash at this point. He, he's just he's not good yet. Simple as that. He can't hit shots no matter where he's standing. You have to do that if you want to be on a fantasy team. He might get there. He might have a, I mean, if Jeff T gets moved, then, you know, that opens things up. But, boy, the percentages are killers. Orlando, uh, they're pretty predictable these days. Same deal with Denver, you know, outside of the Paul Millsap game time decision type stuff. Boston, Boston hasn't played in a decade. Um, but before, I mean, gosh, it's been forever on this team. The last time we talked about Boston, they played on the 12th, so almost a week ago. I mentioned to you guys, Ennis Cantor played 24 minutes in that ball game, and if he sticks in that territory, maybe he's truly getting healthy for the first time. I don't know, and I actually rather doubt it. However, if somehow this is the start of a small change, and you know they're playing Dal- uh, Dallas, which doesn't have a traditional big man where he would match up against them, so I don't know that this would be a great matchup, meaning if he still does get minutes in this game, that would be a really positive sign for him going forward. Uh, they likely have Andre Drummond two days from now, so he'll probably play in that one. But that's really the only thing I'm watching in Boston is uh, can Ennis Cantor slide into enough minutes at center? And that number for him is basically like 22 to 23. If he can get up there, there, he's inside the top 100 as a good percentages second or third center, uh, and you can roll with that guy. Dallas, I'm still rolling with Jalen Brunson. DeLon Wright is right on the cusp there. I don't think I trust the shooting guard since that's really more of a hot hand thing. Golden State, they're horrible. And then Portland, uh, a wonderful opportunity for guys like Mello and Bays to keep it going here against the Warriors' terrible defense. And now, officially, we can put a pin in this bad boy. Enjoy your big Wednesday, Eh, medium Wednesday. Nine games, we've we've seen bigger, right? Uh, Coming up tomorrow, we will have two count them two guests on fantasy nba day it's probably going to be a long show actually come to think of it because we'll be recapping the wednesday card as well i am at dan Bespris on twitter d-a-n-b-e-s-b-r-i-s if you haven't followed me do so now again you can write in if you want to be a contributor via twitter or email team hoopball at hoop-ball.com have a great day we'll talk to you tomorrow This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.